Gregoire and Dan Beeston are smart enough to know better. Right now is episode 36 of Smart Enough to Know Better, a podcast of science, comedy, and ignorance. I am Greg Waugh. And I'm Dan Beeston. And today we have a very exciting interview with a CSIRO scientist by the name of Dr. Stefan Haikovic. So let's get straight to it. No, no, just not. <sighs> Right. 36! 36 is awesome! I was looking up 36, I was having a lot of fun with number 36, because yep. I like the math sort of stuff. Yep. 30, 36, okay, how six about times this? Six well, it, that's well, a square number. Well done. It is. Thank you. Now, for all those, I'm, it may come as some surprise to people, but I it's am... It's my age! Oh, happy birthday. There Thank you. you. It may come as some surprise, but, but I'm About quite time nerdy. I've been waiting since May for you to say that. Oh, he's so... Oh, he's so... Shh, quite shh. I'll buy you something pretty. But anyway, hey. I, 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 what I might buy you are two dice, two dice, two distinct dice, two six-sided dice. And if uh, you... D6s, as the nerds like to call them. D6, that's right, well done. And if you roll them, the, the maximum number of possible outcomes, not the summed outcomes, just, you know, as in each distinct dice, is 36. Yep. There you so go. So you can roll the first one a one, and the fir- and second one a one. one. one the that's first right. one a one, and the second one a two. Mm-hmm. The first one a one, and the second one a three. We really wanted to get through this quickly, didn't we? Uh, the first one of one and the second one of four. <laughs> that's so that's like <laughs> counting in base six. That's right. And it is. Uh, no, it wouldn't be because it wouldn't be a six, would they? Oh, base five, yeah. Base Sorry. five, yes. Yeah, you're right. And, uh, but there was still, hang on, that doesn't make sense either. Base seven. It'd be no, base seven. No, it'd, it'd be base... base five because your one is your zero. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's a confusing way of looking at it. Yeah, so you can have one, 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 two, one, two, three, one, four, one, five, one, six, two, one, two, two. Two, three. So it's base uh, five. I see what you're saying there. Yes, okay. It's, it's, normally it would start at zero. Wait, wait. No, it's no. base six. Yeah. <laughs> it is base six because you it, never get up. Yeah, no, it's in, base in, six. In base I ten. I was we, right the first time. In base ten, we don't actually have a number a ten, for ten. Yes. But we do have a zero. We have a zero. So, so you're not is, using a zero. No. So it's right. base six. But okay. you do have a six because you don't have a zero. So what you're really saying here is in oh. Crazy Dan's system, it would be base six if you don't it's have a just, zero, but go from one to six. six. It just doesn't have a zero. It's got a one instead of a zero, and a two instead of a one, and a three instead of a two, and a four instead of a three, and a five instead of a four, and a six instead of a five. But you don't have a six. in. You wouldn't have a six in base oh, six. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Anyway, the beginning, the other I ex- said, let's get through this quickly. The other, the, the, it goes for ages. The, the other one which is really fun is the sum of integers from 1 to 36. If you add 1 to 2 to 3 to 4 to 5 to 6, blah, 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 it actually adds up to... 36. <laughs> no, no, it doesn't. It adds up to... Oh, wait, I oh, know this, because this will be easy. This will be 37 times... Tw- 18. Okay. Right. That doesn't what? make it any easier at all. Shall I just tell you? Yeah, go on. It's 666, six, six, the number of the beast. Oh, no way. That's brilliant. That is brilliant. And it t- that's why it ties in with role-playing. Because everyone knows role-playing is a demon worshippers. <laughs> anyway, they're not. We're the nicest people in the world. Because we sit around and have conversations with people. We're lovely. And the, the one that I got from science, which I thought was really interesting, the atomic number, the, the material that has the atomic number of 36 is Krypton. Dun, dun, dun. Ooh. That's just because I like Superman. I prefer Batman, but, you know, Superman's all right. You like too. Superman? 
I, I, I love but, Superman. The new Super, the, man, the Man of Steel film's coming out soon. I'm really excited about that. He'll probably be very... I'm, I, I'm just sick of superheroes going, I can fly and I'm invulnerable. You wouldn't understand my pain. I'm getting sick of that story. You know, I, I want one day a superhero to go, I'm awesome! Look at me! I can shoot lasers from my eyes and I can push the planet back through time. I'm having the best day. Well, that's Tony Stark, isn't that? It's Iron Man. Oh, it is too. Yeah. Oh, there you go. He loves it. He does. He he does. There you go. So, but anyway, so uh, atomic number of Krypton is 36. He's a drunk, though. Yeah, it, it's a problem. <laughs> Not as much as if the Hulk was a drunk. Well, yes, that's that's true. What are we talking about? Should we go and talk well, to a scientist? Not science, comedy, and ignorance. <laughs> Should we go talk to a scientist about mega trends? Yes, he can bring a bit of levity to the conversation. <laughs> We are very lucky today to have Dr. Stefan Haikovich from the CSIRO. Dr. Stefan, hello. Hello, how are you going, Gregory? Good, thank you. Oh, he used my full name, it's very exciting. And that's of not course, your full Dan- name, that's your first name. <laughs> Don't use his full name. Well, <laughs> seconds in, I've already been corrected by the guest. Uh, Hooray! That's, that's how he got his doctorate. <laughs> that's, that's true. But did you use my full name, my surname? Haikovich, didn't you? You've even almost said it right. Oh, there you go. I almost did something right. I'm just going to call him Dr. S. Because then everyone wins. That often happens to me. Poor Dr. Sounds a bit dodgy, Dr. S, though, doesn't it? Like a supervillain. Yeah, like an evil doctor. It's not as good as Evil Dr. S. Oh, just think about that. Let's put that into somewhere. Yeah, you don't want to be a middle name? Do you have a middle name that's like Xavier or anything? It sounds like a painkiller, I've been told, my middle name. It's Anatole. It sounds a bit like Panadol. It does. I've got a weird name. I feel like I'm in less pain already. Hang on, yeah. Ana- just Anatol sounds to me more like, a, like, like one of those big Russian submarines. You know the ones where they put lots of tanks and they fly right. them around the world. An is that called an Anatol? It's isn't it? close. It's an Anatov, isn't oh, it? Oh, is that what it isn't is? It? Oh. It's the biggest, that's the biggest plane in the world. I, th- <laughs> I thought it that it sounded like a man-made <laughs> island somewhere off the coast in the... Uh, uh, an Anatol. Yeah. Right. I can see that too. Okay. Anatole, where, where the military lands secret aircraft and stuff. Now, yeah, where Doctor S lives on a secret Anatole <laughs> off the coast of Australia. Now, of course, yes. of course, we haven't even got to our subject yet. <laughs> our, our interviews this is always not our subject. Our interviews right. always start with asking our, our interviewees their middle name and and they're making fun of it. That's what we do now. That's that's what. Welcome to the podcast. Or trying to drag trap them into describing their evil plans. <laughs> Damn. We'll, we'll get it next time. Now, Doctor Stefan is a head researcher at. CSIRO, is this true? Lead, lead researcher. Lead? Oh, they oh, so, oh, Not a head researcher. I'm, I'm, I don't research heads. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we always got no, into and I'm not even really a lead. I'm just a guy who does stuff okay. in CSIRO. Okay. Yeah. And for the people who don't know, what is the CSIRO? The CSIRO is Australia's lead science agency across pretty well every field of science. We have 6,500 staff, 4,500 scientists, and we're basically here to do science to give Australians a better quality of life. There we go. And there yeah. we have it. So what's I heard you stole Wi-Fi from the Americans. <laughs> no. They stole it from us and we beat them in court. Yay. <laughs> Yay, exactly. We got lots of money down here in Australia to do what we want with it. I actually, I actually know that the last, I had to look this up. It was $450 million yeah. when I last checked. I don't know what it is now, but yeah. uh, that's I, a lot of it. money. I think we're still getting it as well. I think it keeps on coming in. It is a huge amount of money. And, mm. uh, well, they're yeah. just paying in $5 notes. It just keeps coming in. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess a little idea can, economy. can do a lot. So, yeah. No, that's right. Exactly right. So, Wi-Fi was created by the CSIRO. Uh, speed cameras, I think, were created by the... Speed cameras? The, you the son polymer, of a bitch! The, the polymer... Did we do speed cameras? Uh, yeah, yeah. All so. right. The polymer banknote, we did that. That's right. 
we didn't do the tank cane toad. That sometimes was, <laughs> that was not us. We actually were the guys who were brought in to fix it up, I think. Mm. Although my history on that's a yeah. bit dodged, so <laughs> yeah, I'm not happy. totally sure. But I, but I do know it wasn't us, at least. Um, well, we <laughs> did. The, were you the cane beetle, though? Toad, toad, toad eating cougars. It, what could no, go wrong? <laughs> we, um, we did fire resistant textiles mm-hmm. that have significantly reduced burns in children. It was in the 60s. Um, um, contact lenses, plastic yeah. contact lenses, a new way of making uh, yeah. polymers as well. So, yeah. so much, much cheaper. We helped to track the Apollo missions to land on the moon. There you go, through the we, Parkes telescope. Yeah, with the Parkes telescope. And we also helped invent radar and malarial repe- repellent for Aussie troops during World War II. Were they so, joined together, radar and malarial? That's a really yeah. exciting way to fight We tracked the mozzies with the radar and then <laughs> shot them down with the repellent. No, no. Right, we had, like, insect spray to keep the mozzies off. I, I heard and that then you we just helped convinced everyone radar. to uh, eat carrots to keep mm. the mosquitoes away. Is they, that my you just hit the, hit the mosquito one? with a carrot. How would carrots keep mosquitoes away? They're heavy. Mm. They are. Is well, you hit the mosquito with the carrot. Them. Look, I'm just... I think it... I heard, no, I, here's a science question, because I've heard if you oh. do eat enough carrots, your are skin you? goes orange from uh, the carotene. Yes. Is this true? Mm. Yes, it is. Are we, um, are we talking about what happened to pee now? I've but. never seen this ha- happen, though. Although my mum said it happened to her during World War II, because she was a little girl living in England, and all they had to eat was carrots for a very long time. Mm. And she said she did go orange. Well, there you go. So oh, I think your mum wouldn't lie. She, that's an experiment. No, and I know. There's, there's I know. something else so that you can have that makes you go blue. Really? Yeah. yeah. Ah, silver halide, is it? That's if, the one. Oh. Yeah, I've heard about this stuff, and it, you don't ever not go blue again. <laughs> so you're a oh, you, So you stay blue? Yes. That sounds awesome. Dan, get on that. But Maybe you ever, eat more I carrots. Mean, <laughs> I'm still not sure about that one, because surely by now I'd have seen a blue person, because... Where's silver halide used? Oh, I don't know. Is it's, it common? Or you'd it have like... to Google it. It's got some sort of medical purpose. And do you and... drop... Is it really dangerous? You turn blue and then you just die yeah, from look, your... I'm a social scientist too, so, like, you know, it's not an area of strength. But this is a friend of mine who is a clever scientist told me oh. that this oh. is what happens when you stick it in... You're meant to stick it in your ear when you're not meant to. <laughs> <laughs> this is confusing. Some people do it. It's okay. We, we have a segment in the podcast but called Walk again, of Shame. Just so yeah. you know, we, what's called Walk of Shame. So we actually research stuff that we normally say, and then yeah. we, we correct it. So we'll find out. Yeah. Sort of how don't do this stuff at home if you're listening to this Please podcast. Please do. do not. I don't mean to second guess anyone. Don't do any of it. What? I don't mean to second guess anyone's <laughs> yeah. decisions at this point, but should we maybe be asking Dr. Stefan about things inside his field no, of no, expertise? One, one last thing. People probably know this, but I want to just point out, if you eat a lot of asparagus, even not, a little bit of asparagus, your yeah. pee smells funny. Yes, and I've that's heard awesome. This, it's true. And that's anyone and listening. If you have a lot of barocas, your pee goes bright orange. It, it really does. That's yes. right. And and beetroot. If you eat if you on an empty stomach, you eat a lot of fresh beetroot, not canned stuff. Yeah. Then your pee goes will red. Slightly. It's a bit disturbing. So if you if you <laughs> ate the right ingredients in the right amounts, you could try to pee a rainbow. Oh, that you. is a great idea. That's we could patent that. That could Science. even sell. You'd, that would sell better than Wi-Fi, I reckon. You'd, you'd have <laughs> yeah. to stay really still so the you didn't sort of jostle at all. No, I love it. I think that is definitely a, a huge money earner. There you go. It's up and, there with silent oh. Velcro. That's my other invention I'm working on secretly inside. It's like Velcro, but when you pull it off, it doesn't make any noise. Silent. <laughs> so you're making it less oh, awesome. Oh, no, no, no. That's like making all, a... these, all these spies around the world just started nodding, going, yeah. yes. You have your gun Velcro to your thigh and go, but no noise. Because they're, they're too busy okay. quietly trying to unbutton yes, their guns. That's right. Yeah. Come on, damn it. Anyway, all right. Uh, <laughs> this is how I'm going to get rich, Silent Velcro. Good, that's how you but I think feel. the rainbow pee is something that you're onto. That rainbow could work. Pee, yeah, indeed, does it. I've rainbow vomited before. Does that count? That's the other end. 
The other thing about carrots is every time you vomit, right, there's a carrot compartment and it releases. It doesn't matter when I've vomited in my life, I've always found carrot in there. Dr. So, Stefan, Dr. Stefan is also not a medical doctor. No. Sort of <laughs> I'm just making general observations. Isn't that based what the appendix the does? No. <laughs> no, no, there is, a, there is a carrot compartment in your tummy. Every time you vomit, it makes a bit of carrot. <laughs> Have that on fa- I've researched that. <laughs> it must be true. Right. Yeah. So yeah. we are standing in the, one of the CSIRO buildings in Brisbane having this conversation. and This building won an architectural award. Oh, there you go. And, well, it's the Eco Science Precinct building. Yeah. People go past it in Brisbane. You'll know it. It's very pretty. But we're also standing here on the 21st of December, which, of course, is in the Southern Hemisphere is the summer solstice. And on a day that people have been saying for a long time, that is the end of the world. Uh. <laughs> So yeah. supposedly the world will end tonight, uh, 10 o'clock or 10, 11 or something like that. I can't remember. New South Wales time. That's when the world ends, according to a misinterpretation of a Mayan prophecy. Uh, uh-huh. I think it's all wrong. We're not, we're, not, we're not actually asking about this. This is all bunkum. We'd like to point this out. This is total crap. But I was about to run out the door and get some things done. I've got to do the Christmas shopping. I've got to do this. No, you don't. That's the point. You don't do the Christmas shopping. Well, yeah, because we won't have the presents. To that's what we're no. yeah. we Nothing. But we, we, we sort of, we've been talking about the past, and that's talking about there is no future. So is, is that, from a scientist's point of view, is there no future? Are, are we done? Is that it? I mean, not, not Mayans. I'm not talking the Mayans particularly. They were done Dr. years Stephen. ago. Yeah, they, they if were they so- could predict the apocalypse, they <laughs> would have predicted the Spanish. <laughs> this is true. And the pox. <laughs> But yeah. so, so do you think it's, I mean, what we're talking about today is the future and whether we have one. And, and if we do have one, where's it going? We've got to have a future, surely, at least some of it. Cockroaches do, yeah. anyway. There can't be anything such as a present, can there? Because it's already disappeared. As soon as you think about the present, it's never re- All we really have is the past and the future. Do we have the present? Well, we did. Let's go on. We did. I, 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 you know, this Christmas I'm expecting a lot of presents, but uh, we're sorry. That's just really bad. But what, what, I'll edit that out. Yeah, Don't you worry, can edit that I'll one out. But it'll be in post, honey. It'll be yeah, in post. Right, right. So, so CSIRO does do something on the future. We I got asked to lead CSIRO Futures, which is a oh. research group that does look long term future to try and explain how the world's changing. And how, this is our long term. Uh, I mean, like mean, twenty years. Oh, twenty years. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. Like... And we've got a whole chapter on you, and we know the whole twenty years. And I don't want to tell you about it. Okay, it's some really weird. <laughs> I'm scared. You should be. He was looking at me yeah. right in the eye. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's really. I know. You're lucky I know. You've got twenty years. We're, we're, uh, we're experts. Um, well, the time analysis is twenty years, but you know, anything can happen there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's all. Right. I, I saw my chapter, yeah. and the, the last four pages are just blank. Oh, <laughs> you can write your own future. Uh, anyway. No, the page before that is very abnormal. <laughs> that doesn't happen. <laughs> and then Dan doesn't write his own future. Sorry. Dr. So we think that the things that will make Australia good into the future are the mm. decisions we make today. And we have a belief that by enriching the information environment about what happens in the future, we can help today's decision makers make wiser choices. Mm. This is the logic behind CSIRO Futures, is that we're crafting evidence-based narratives that mix science fiction with science fact, because mm-hmm. anything in the future is unknown, so there is an element of fiction and imagination that goes with it. Yep. And when the ABC science media team wrote this up, they took all it science faction, a mix of science fiction and science fact, which I quite liked because I think, I think it that's sounds what like a, no a militia group yeah oh the god science, the science faction the science faction they're coming to kick in your ignorance you didn't really oh. think about that yeah the science faction it could be a good thing how are they going to attack us with those ridiculous toy guns that <laughs> well Jesus the biggest guns <laughs> in the world they link to Wi-Fi Anyway, that's what we do in CSIRO Futures, and uh, we're, we're so growing whole, this new thing. Whole, yeah. uh, is it a, a flagship? Is that what they're called? No, we're no. a theme. We're a little theme. A theme. So but a theme is under a flagship. We're like a thing. 
Uh, good. It's a network. Actually, I do think one of the nice things about Cyro is the the ability of networks to form inside the organisation. So, uh, what what is an entity? Because I can talk to any one of the six thousand five hundred staff in the organisation, mm. and I can branch out and create a network and form a team to deal with a particular issue or problem. So, mm. one of the projects we're working on is the future of the plastics and chemicals industry, vital industry in Australia, and we're able to build in people in the manufacturing parts of CSIRO with me, an economist, another economist, social scientists, and communicators, and we form around the project and do it. So that's, a, that's an interesting one. The CSIRO future is starting to pick up sector-specific jobs. So we're one on the plastics and chemicals industry and another one looking at the future of Australian sport. So the future of Australian sport will be an interesting one. This is a, this is a project looking long-term out and it hasn't been released yet. Like you guys are interviewing me in a meeting room. These guys for the future of Australian sport put me on my surfboard and interviewed me down the Gold Coast. Uh, that was different. We could have. We could have done. I'm yeah, sorry. It's right. This is a good meeting room. And it's... <laughs> Should have painted. We yeah. should have. I, I know. We should have yeah. some flowers in. I feel bad now. And the, the projects sort of bring out what we call megatrends, big shifts in the environment. In this, I'm not sure if you've seen this document, Our Future World. I've, I've looked at it online, yes. Yeah. So this, this is our flagship publication. And anyway, we'll put a link in the show yeah, notes to do, it so you can look at it. Do a link. And it, it talks about megatrends. One's called More From Less, which looks at a world of increased pressure on mineral, water, mm. energy and food resources as population growth happens. So the world crossed the 7 billion persons threshold sometime last Last year, yes. and it'll asymptote, which is a clever word for level off, mm. at about 2050 with around 9.8 oh, really? or so billion. So, so we yeah. think nine points. We don't think we'll nine be compete the 10 billion mark. Some sort of I think it gets go around the 10, 10 billion. 12 or yeah, it's a good, I can't remember offhand. Do we cross the 10? I think we have to go after 2100 to cross the 10 billion. But right. I do now, know that it starts levelling off. Like is, the line that le- is that level off because yeah. uh, all of the poor countries become richer and have uh, and healthier and they have less kids and stop having as many kids? Or is that because of massive die-off? Yeah. Well, re- loss of resources. It's yeah. actually the for- former one. So I, I think that it is because as we see wealth creation in a lot of the developing world, we see that's that's heavily associated with decreased birth rates. People have less kids mm. as they get wealthier and it's populations shown, tend to stabilise. Yeah, uh, that's right. It's shown that the more educated women become around yes. the world, the lower, the, the less children they have because they go, this yeah. is ridiculous. Exactly, not yeah. 52 yeah, children, yeah. Uh, one. I just talked to a friend of mine who's pregnant in a Brisbane summer yesterday and, uh, <laughs> and she said, you know, for all my education, look what I've done. But... Um, <laughs> Uh, so, it's a tough gig being pregnant in summer, but not that I've tried it yet. Yeah. Not yet. But CSIRO is working on it. Yeah. <laughs> my niece is called yeah. Summer, so my, my, my sister was pregnant with Summer. In summer? In summer. In summer. Oh, nice. That's bizarre. But um, <laughs> getting back to it, I think, I think emancipation of women and freedom and equal rights to women in society is another crucial aspect of population mm. control, which does start to sort itself out. In those societies where women have equal rights and are fully part of the society and educated, mm. Mm. that is another thing. So wealth creation and rights for women are, are important. But definitely the world's limited natural resources are going to be under a lot of pressure. Water is one. It's well over a billion people live in regions without enough clean water to drink and yeah. an inability to, uh, to build it into the future. Food security is another one we worked on a bit lately. That's a huge one because mm. one billion people go to bed hungry tonight mm. and food prices are high and likely to stay high. I feel bad about that, especially about the whole yeah. one billion people are hungry tonight because I was reading somewhere recently they said about the same number of people 
in the world are obese. Yeah. And, and, I, and, I, and yeah. I, I have extra weight, so <laughs> I'm part of that. Um, well, I remember sitting there researching good. this stuff on my birthday with a big piece of chocolate cake, mm. eating it and reading these statistics, and it's concerning. The other thing that mm. got me, 35% of the food we make in this world is never eaten. It's wasted. So that automatically fixes a food security dilemma if you could find a way of getting all the food that yeah. we don't eat. And I'm a big culprit of this. If we look at our fridge after about a month, I open the bottom drawer yeah. and yeah. just shut it's, it again. You yeah, can't yeah. go there. Right. Um, it there was yeah. a brilliant comic. A lot of biodiversity in there. There was a brilliant comic <laughs> by XKCD, which had simply his dream fridge, where yeah. each level, the top level was like a weekly one, and it had a conveyor belt that yeah. slowly moved from one day to seven days, and yeah. then at the end it just dropped it off the side into a bin. And then the next <laughs> one was... A week to a month, and then on that level, those shifted across. Are the these month. on the market yet? No, it's no, no. just the design yeah. stage. Well, he wrote a comic. In a comic. So in a comic. So, so, if we went and built it, if we saw it in a comic, does that mean he owns it? How does that work? What's the legals? Well, I mean, if, if you, there can is, we sell it along with Rainbow P? I mean, uh, there is a lot of talk about internet. We're gonna we're gonna own our own island. <laughs> Well, I'm just thinking all the things we can make a lot of money off, and I can see us all from the inventions we've got here from this conveyor belt fridge plus Rainbow P plus Silent Velcro, we're going to be able to buy a small island called Anatole off the coast of Queensland at some point in the future. And if we can't find one, we will build it with the money that we make out of these inventions. We'll get Clive Palmer involved, it'll all be fine. Yeah. We'll supply the dinosaurs. Yeah. Okay. Hang on. What, are we what was the question? Food. <laughs> we were talking about yes. food. So food, food security is one of the big, out. big mega trends that we identified in this yeah. in this report, and I think that's uh, got to stay at the top of the agenda for the G20 countries for mm. some decades to come. Food insecurity is also associated with political and economic instability. So when people get hungry, yeah. things all fall apart. If you remember the Brisbane floods, I remember a point where we went into the supermarket to. to to get mm-hmm. some food before the floods. I don't know if you remember this. Yes. There was panic, you yeah, know? Yeah. We looked at the shelves and it was all empty. We got two little kids and we just went, oh, my God, yeah. no food. And we got kids and we just started chucking whatever we, we spent, 450 bucks in 15 minutes. But it was, it was definitely happening with other people there too. Once mm. you got that feeling of empty shelves, not enough food, food is like it's a yeah. really primal drive. Yeah. Oh, we laughed yeah. when we went in because we were like, ah, uh, we're, we're two streets from the supermarket. There's always going to be food, even if it's crappy food. Mm. Yeah. But, and so we weren't panicking too much. We ha- I already had my stores of water and mm. tin can mm. because I don't wait until the last minute That's for right. a tragedy That's and right. calamity to happen. Dan's life is full of tragedies and calamities. So it's awesome. <laughs> I've learned. I have a zombie plan. Used to as, all, as all sensible people zombie, have, no, I have a zombie no, plan. No. How does that work? See, Dr. Stefan doesn't know. Oh, I'm going to talk about... Uh, I know, I want to know. I've seen Shaun of the Dead, and that was a bad zombie plan. That was a terrible zombie plan. I can't tell you my zombie plan because then you do it. And then, uh, I, and then I have to shoot you. But, uh, okay. but, but I'll give you the basic idea. Is, yeah, yeah. Is prepare first. I mean, yeah. as in have some water set up and have some tin Got food. It. Got it. And, tin, so, and, and you have non-perishable items in your house. I actually do have a tin... But you can't necessarily lock them out. They're really good at getting in. You can't just sit Zombies. in there. Zombies? Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. I, I, I didn't say I was staying where I was, Dr. Ah. Stepp. I, I have a plan. I know where I'm going. The, the plan involves not relying on going to the supermarket. At the last minute. Because zombies will be waiting for you at the supermarket. At the supermarket. So, but, but, but the zombie okay. plan, all seriousness... Are they that smart? What? Zombies are They go where the people are, and you'll be panicking, going, uh, and like reaching, and you'll be reaching your arm deep into the cupboards, and the zombie's like, 
I think that gets you. I think Shaun of the Dead was good because it was the first zom rom com, zombie romantic comedy that was put out there. I love that genre. It's not a huge genre, but that was whoever thought of zom rom com. It worked well. But a a zombie plan. People laugh at me, Dan especially, asked me for having a zombie plan. But really, what a zombie plan honestly is, is being prepared for 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 an actual disaster. An actual disaster. Yeah. Well, that is interesting because that takes us back to the topic of our conversation. Yeah, I think. And I'm going to build a very creative segue to finally work back to it. We're terrible. Yeah, yeah. Dr. Stephen, you've done exactly what we do. We create these wonderful segues, then point them out. Yeah, yeah. Destroys the whole thing of making a beautiful segue. Please erase the last five seconds and pretend this is a natural segue into our future world. You're doing it again. You're still doing it. You're you're segueing from the segue into. I would like formally state: following is not a segue. Okay, if you think it is. Okay. (laughs) Feel free. Right. So our future world does look at risks and shocks. One of the things, actually, when we put this report out, the CSIRO board had a look at it. This was fresh and interesting stuff for CSIRO, this big picture, long range, 20 years out, thinking about the future. They wanted us to think about mega shocks, big sudden events that would change the world instantly. Like zombies. uh, Zombies would be definitely a mega shock, actually. We couldn't get any data on it. In fact, because we didn't have enough time on this particular... Have you seen the movies? There are a lot of movies. Well, on the first report that we did, we did want to introduce a mega shock section, but we didn't have enough time, so we stole it off somebody else called the World Economic Forum. And they gave it... Well, they kind of knew we stole it, didn't care. I don't think it was... Hooray! Anyway, we got a set of mega shocks, which were looking at things like financial collapses, climate shocks, Mm. earthquakes, and zombie attacks. can't remember the actual characterization of the zombie attack one but it, it actually would be pretty bad if it happened so what i want to do and see i want that on, on a shirt dr steven heikovich says zombie yeah. attack it'd be pretty bad it'd be pretty bad that's you want everything on a shirt yeah. the pretty bad <laughs> right on a like, piece of paper stick it pin it to your shirt yeah. genius yeah that's a scientific assessment pretty bad that you know <laughs> <laughs> so what we would love to do in CSIRO Futures in the future is to have an actual look at mega shocks for Australia. What are the big mm. sudden events that could substantially alter the way we live and put us on a different trajectory as so well? So, like, are you talking something serious like a, a pandemic, like a, like a really pandemic? Disease? We would put in there, I mm-hmm. think, and I think we would put major cyclonic events too. Oh, okay. Climate change could change the way. Mega the tsunami. Mega tsunami, maybe. Yeah, there's a big okay. shelf yeah. off uh, New Zealand. Then yeah. big collapses. Yeah. Kaboom! There goes Sydney. That's yeah, cool. yeah. What Mel would be happy. Um, yeah, you've got to be careful, because that statement just then could have caused the whole population of Sydney to leave. You've got to edit it out. That's all right. Dan, 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 Dan look, has that Seriously, power. Dan, no. Apparently I, there are discs yeah. coming from Mars. <laughs> yeah, they, they believe that stuff. But no, I don't think that'll happen. I don't think that's likely. But this is one of the things we want to do, is have a look at mega shocks as well. We've got another report that we're producing on 10 technologies that'll change the way you live. And this one will come out March next year. So the first one, Our Future World, looks at mega trends. And we talked about one because we got a little bit sidetracked on the way about zombies and Sorry. and stuff. That's that all right. Me. That was me. Yeah, that's okay. The next big product is 10 technologies change the way you live. So we're going to actually try and identify 10 technologies that's going to have a substantial impact on the way that Australians live. One of them, for Three example... ones that exist now that are going to develop... Emerge. Things that are going to really... Ex- there's evidence of them existing now and they're on their way, but they're going to really express themselves in the next 20 Can you years. give us a hint? Additive manufacturing would be one, for example. Oh, 3D printing. Have you heard of this? Yes, 3D printing. Um, uh, yes, yeah. yes. I, that's amazing. That, that, it is, isn't it? I just, I, I, you can buy toys um, yeah. that, that are made. I might even be 3D printed. You wouldn't know. 
okay? It's that good. Yeah, I could be a 3D printed Stefan and Stefan could be up there at his office doing journal papers like he's supposed to be, right? That's a possibility. <laughs> Not talking to yeah. these two idiots. <laughs> yeah. So 3D printing is the ability to create a three-dimensional shape from a printer and I think oh. this potentially massively changes global supply chains and manufacturing depending mm. on how far it goes. I saw a photograph of a, a small car that was 3D printed. Now, the, the possibility is that when you we break the bumper bar on your car, you don't have to go in and get it repaired. You push the 3D printer at home, the bumper bar comes out and it's easily inserted and fitted back on. That's uh, amazing. It's, my only yeah. issue with this, I yeah. think my brain, I, I love the physical idea and, and based yeah. on polymers and, and, and you build it there, yeah. but we have to work out our patenting problems, like all that yeah. problem first, because who would own that? Who well, would... I think that's interesting, Gregor, because what I've read about this stuff is that it actually takes the focus away from the product being manufactured and the value is immensely on the design because the product can be manufactured anywhere, but the design is what is hugely valued. And this is why we call it a disruptive technology. It can really change the way markets operate. The advent of the digital camera was an interesting example of a uh, disruptive technology. So Eastman Kodak, the film company Kodak that did film printing, helped develop the digital camera in the 1970s. And Oops. Yeah. <laughs> and over time, they saw it there and they didn't really know what to do about it. It wasn't just a digital camera. It was all the digitization that happened around it. I think their revenue of that company peaked somewhere around the year 2000 and then it went down and it finally filed for bankruptcy around 2011 mm. because of the digital camera and digitization meant that people didn't want to print film out anymore and that was their core business. So it was a classic technology disruptor and I think a lot of the write-ups in the Harvard Business Review that talk about this particular disruptor say that you know, they, they were aware of it and the company did a lot. It wasn't that they didn't do anything, it's just that they didn't get sufficiently outside the existing mindset. They mm. kept on thinking of ways that they could get people to print stuff. They really had to do the dive fully into a digital world that looked yeah. quite a lot different and that's the purpose of this report, 10 Technologies You'll Change the Way You Live. We're trying to elevate out there for Australian companies and society what some of these technologies look like. Additive manufacturing is one, autonomous systems is another, augmented reality, smart mm. materials. Like gla these, Google glasses, that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah that's one, airplane one. wings that can change their shape to suit flying conditions, oh. glass that you it's can... Like Thunderbirds. Yeah. I'm so excited. So we're trying to work out which ones are going to really be disruptive. And Do you think it's like, like artificial intelligence? Will that be considered disruptive? I think so. Like, that is in the mix, maybe under mm. autonomous systems. It is interesting oh. that over in New Zealand a while ago, I saw a team of scientists working on a automated vine pruning system and this robot images the vine, works out where the pruning needs to occur and does the trimming. Now, vine asked, Terminator. Yeah. Awesome. I asked about this and I was wondering sort of what's the technology breakthrough that really lets this stuff express itself? And he says the sensory capabilities are all there. Our ability to image the thing in front of you, mm. to hear, sense, understand the environment around it is pretty good. The breakthroughs are occurring in the artificial intelligence. The algorithms that sit inside the computer that work out what to do with all that information mm. is where we're going to see the biggest advances and that's moving a long way forward. Uh, by 2030, 30% of the US military is a robot. You know, robotic devices can go out there, autonomous systems that can sense their environment and respond to it and make decisions and it creates very important ethical questions. Yeah, yeah. Because, we, we've talked about this yeah. on the podcast before. Well, Dan yeah. and I are both actually terrified beyond, yeah. beyond rational thought. Yeah. Uh, you, you watch things online. We talked about it in the last podcast, so I won't go into it too much, but things like little quadcopters that can yep. work together in swarms and they can, yeah. they can swarm yeah. through no, the Nothing good comes in a swarm. Yeah, that's right. Seven. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, think, and they can go through windows. Like they've been bees make honey. They jump through windows. Sorry? But you're right. I'm allergic to swarm. bees things. Uh, yeah, they I, make honey and death. So yeah, far. actually, I and think... not in that order. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right, actually. I'm just trying to think of any time I've had a swarm come at me and I've felt good about it. Yeah, and you're no. right. I don't think anything good has come in a swarm. Yeah. Good things come in flocks. Flocks, flocks. yes. Herds. 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 Herds, flocks, schools. 
school of fish. Schools ago. Why you school of fish. A school, a school of death copters. Uh, no, you know my no, old no, boy's no, favourite joke? Why are fish smart? They swim around in schools. <laughs> I'll edit that out. That's <laughs> yeah, all good. You can edit that one out, right? Oh. What kind of school do you need a ladder for? High school. <laughs> okay. So, He's I'm got a dad. Of I'm a dad. All right. I've got that right. <laughs> okay. Keep going. So this technology disruptor stuff is good, and I think the artificial intelligence one is a big one. I was approached by a group called the Singularity Summit a while ago. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Have you yes, heard of these yes. guys? As in, as in yeah. The, 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 we basically like Kodak created their replacement. And yeah. Worry that that will create a robot or a computer that'll be. That's smart right. This is a Terminator thing. All yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I couldn't totally dismiss it out of my mind, you know. I thought, what a bunch of kooky stuff. And then mm. I then I remember riding home that afternoon thinking, well, what if, what if, you know. Mm. Look at how evolution happened in the natural world and how we went from an amoeba to complex beings like us. Mm. Why can't it happen in the digital world? Look, I'm totally yeah, no well, expertise look, in this. There's, there's, yeah. Yeah. so much of our evolution these days is yeah. mimetic evolution rather yeah, than genetic yeah, yeah. Yeah. and learned behaviours. So mm. once it gets to robots, then it's just all mimetic. Yeah, so I was up at Noosa having a holiday playing computer chess, and I can't beat that thing. It's on the iPad, you know, and it sucks. <laughs> I just tried again and again and again, and it was too good. And how did if it get so it, smart? It yeah, that's the thing. It sucks at boxing, though. It, it <laughs> you'll always, yeah. always be my iPad at boxing. Yeah, true. <laughs> For the time being, but you know, yes. I reckon some of those swarming helicopters I saw can Hugh beat you. Yeah. In a movie, and he had a boxing robot. Did he? Terrifying. Yeah. yeah. But if they're so smart, you know, that's, that's what stops that computer chess program randomly solving a problem we didn't intend it to. Mm. And then it gives itself a better survival chance and it starts to go, and what? I have no problem why not? The, you know? I agree. And the information, people say maybe that's what the internet, the internet will one day wake yeah. up. We're getting into philosophy now, but, but yeah. the internet will wake up because we just throw the, throw the oh, stuff at us. I just, but, hang on, I just had this wonderful idea for like that, just a scene in, in, in a film where someone's playing virtual chess and someone crashes and goes, no, you don't understand. He moved the knight. Outside the board. <laughs> yeah. You should write that movie. It'll be set in the fridge. Right. It's already written in my head. Yeah, yeah. But, but um, I, I, and, and you can't so that's the... a film that gets put against the rainbow-coloured pea, that and silent the... Velcro. What was the other one? We oh, the rainbow? fridge. Oh, no, the fridge, the fridge with the conveyor fridge. belts. Yeah, we stole a fridge, yes. We stole a fridge, but if we're the first to market, who cares? <laughs> and the film. This is how they won that Wi-Fi thing. <laughs> I'm Careful. I'm thinking Careful. about the... Uh, <laughs> the, the um, uh, I'm but thinking I, about the island called Anatole. It's going to be good. It's going to have a nice sandy beach in a big pool and, and a laser a giant laser, laser. <laughs> right. it has to have a laser and it can point it anywhere in the world yeah. and we're not going to point That's it right. at the but moon no. but we're going to point it next to the moon spy out to come and stop us no. doing our crazy plans do not stand there and tell him your whole plan uh, no, right. you know to. how they always I'm say so, no, I have I, to tell you my whole plan uh, and then I'm going to shoot you afterwards don't do it don't have some come on it's my I've just had a great idea of how to kill him that doesn't involve shooting him what? Can we source any alligators? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly the downfall of all James Bond villains, right? They, the guy, James Bond comes along, they have some crazy way of chucking him into an alligator pond, tying him to a rocket It's ship, awesome! But they bang and it would all be over. That's The, the villains just don't yeah, get that. I, and then they tell I James Bond the whole plan. I don't know cut out to be a supervillain. Yeah. Yeah. No, I am. I'm going to be you the next be, generation, you could be, right? You could be I'm going to be a dumb supervillain. Uh, I would know. Not dumb. Stylish. Classic. Stylish. Okay, back to... Back to the the, the singularity game. idea, yeah. the internet coming alive, or what do you want to yeah. call it, the coming conscious? Uh, and, okay, I don't think it's likely, but um, it's 
anything's possible. But yeah. Ian M. Banks writes a series of novels called The Culture Novels, which I adore. And yeah. in that, they have these things called Minds, capital M, and they're artificial intelligence who invented artificial intelligence, and it's yeah. like thousands of years of development. And right. they're all benevolent, because their whole point is, they're, they're these amazing brains that can just outthink anyone. Yeah. They don't, why, why do we think that everything we make is evil? I think it's a really indictment on humanity. You go, yeah. well, every, we're evil, so therefore they're going to be evil. evil. Like, well, maybe they'll, maybe go, they'll be nicer than no us. Point, there's no point being evil when, yeah. you're like, when you have everything and can do anything. You'd go, well, I could wipe out the human race. Do you think race. technological advancement makes us less evil? I sometimes think it probably does. I hope so. You know, I, I think, think... When you go wrong, though, I mean, I, I don't... I don't know, look at sales. Look at sales. Sales. Or <laughs> when, the, like, the new iPad comes out and everyone's like... That's not evil. Though. It's not really evil, evil. No, no, yeah. it's greed, which is a step to evil. Oh, God, like, think? burning witches is evil, but when we get technologically no, advanced... witches are evil. Burning witches is just getting rid of evil, surely. No. For sakes, just, no, no, you can't burn witches, because how would you know they're a witch? Well, because they're evil. Okay. Um, I feel like well, I, don't, I still don't think it's something we should be doing anymore, no, no, no. basically. No, I agree. I yeah. people, once they, whole Mostly hierarchy. that stopped, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You know, the whole yeah, like, yeah, food yeah. and that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. If you keep people hungry, sorry, if you keep people well-fed yeah. and, uh, and, and educated and give them a roof over their head and that sort yeah. of stuff, they have no reason to commit evil. That's yeah, right. I, I don't believe it's evil as something... Evil is not an outside force that takes you over. I mean, it's, I, it's, I a, it's yeah. desper desperation. Yeah, I have a belief, like, looking into long-term futures, we're talking about sorry futures here. I think we're talking about sorry Occasionally futures. Occasionally we are. Occasionally <laughs> we are. Looking at long-term futures, I am an optimist, you know. I think things are getting better. I think if we look over time, they're getting better. And a book mm. I got given recently was Matt Ridley's book, The Rational Optimist. I don't know if you've come across this. Because at the end of talks I give, I often get asked, you know, it's a bleak picture for the world. We're running out of resources. Mm. We've got too many people. It's all going off. But you stop and say, well, let's look at longevity. How long do people live for over time? Mm. Over time, people are having much longer lives. Mm. Health and well-being, much better. Psychological mm. and mental and physical well-being is still overall, for the vast majority of people in the vast majority of places, a lot better over time. Infant mortality is another key indicator of human quality of life. Mm. It's getting better in most places in the world. Even poverty, a horrible, tragic thing that is happening in our world that shouldn't happen, and every year it gets less and less as, mm. uh, as a portion. So a lot of the indicators are actually moving in a very positive direction. So deep down I'm, a, I'm positive about the future because I think that despite it ending at 10 o'clock tonight, but <laughs> apart from that little glitch, <laughs> I'm pretty positive that it's heading in a good direction. Did but, that but, help with but, the content but part But are we going to run out of stuff? What about helium? Yeah, I, yeah, you People know, are still using helium in balloons. Well, let's Stop think about that running out doing of stuff. That. Have you tried breathing it in and then talking? Yes. Does that do anything bad to you? Yes. Well, what, does no, it? No. It's mildly toxic. Does it? No, it's, no, it's I not. Do it. Helium's an inert gas. It's the whole point of helium. It's a noble gas. Well, it doesn't catch fire, but... It's, it's a chemically it, inert shit. What's fire? It's oxygen. What are all the ignoble gases like? If there's noble gases... Yeah, everything else a... is ignoble. And that's, a, that's right. Oxygen and ignoble so I didn't gas. do chemistry. Yeah. That's a, no, all the noble ones on the side. That means Noble it's ones. totally inert. It's the whole point. You it's put it in your lungs. It no, no, no. Well, what's the other one? Because it pushes... The, the only problem is it, is it hypoxia. It pushes out the oxygen from your from your lungs. Therefore, your body's like, um, we actually need that to live. Because it's not doing any long-term damage. No, no. Because I, I, I always do that with the healing balloons with the kids for a bit of fun. And no, like I suck don't... It in it's, not, it's not chemically reacting yeah. like with the blood okay. or anything like that. So, right. But it is... 
yeah, taking a bit of... One time we got... Because the thing is, it's like drowning. Uh, yeah, it's a bit dangerous. No, this is, this is why it's dangerous, because yeah. your body doesn't know when it's getting enough oxygen. Mm. All it knows is when it's got too much carbon dioxide. It's yes. Helium goes in, it's mm. not turning into carbon dioxide, and it's staying in the body. Now, ah. helium, body. helium is lighter than air, so it doesn't stay in the body. No. It floats out, out of your body. You expand okay. with your diaphragm. You go, That's good. And it goes out. Yeah, it but... stay no, no, in your no, body. You're, you're not a balloon. Yeah, 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 but you don't... But, you don't squeeze out all of the gas in your lungs no, each time you breathe 70, 70 out. There is heaps still left in there. Yeah. Now, but helium floats out anyway, so it's totally. at the top, yeah. and the air sits down the bottom. Now, Ignible. there is another type of gas which uh, you can inhale. I don't know what it's called. You might. Nitrous oxide? Uh, no, 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 that's laughing gas. Air? Hmm. Um, the, there's a gas that Just makes, to be makes your voice... <laughs> air. <laughs> Um, just trying to help. There's another gas that makes your voice go deeper. Oh. And not just nitrous oxide. Deeper. No. It's the one that's in the creaming bottles. No, 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 no. It's that uh, there, there's, oh. a, there's a different oh, gas okay, right. that that makes your voice drops your voice down really low for the exact same reason that helium makes it go high, and it's heavier than all the other gas. Well, you wouldn't want to have that in you, would you? No, because it, was, it wouldn't come out again. In order to get out. What if you, you hung upside have, down like a bat for a while? You would have to hung upside down. <laughs> that so explains it would Batman's, drain up. Batman's voice in the last movie. Oh, yes. Murder me! Excuse me, I'm upside down. That's awesome. We know where... We know That's where really interesting. When we were kids, we got a helium balloon and we tied a string to it and we put an envelope with our address on it and we let it float up and to see where it could go and to see if the people would send the envelope back to us to say where it went to. Yeah. We, no, we never heard from it again. I did something very similar, but I threw a letter, yeah. Uh, yeah, message in a bottle. And oh, yeah. I lived out next to the ocean and it did actually come back. Serious? Uh, it came back. Oh. Uh, only because... We, the we, tides we, just washed it back, or did someone say no, 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 no? As in, uh, <laughs> it, it just happened that a kid went to the same school as me. He went a long awesome. way. It went, went, went way off into the harbour and went off, and he yeah. just happened to pick it up on a beach. That's weird coincidence, but it's not that weird. Cause I lived in Bowen. So it's this, a tiny, uh, tiny I, area. Uh, so yeah. you know, the only kid would have to go to one school. I, I heard a better story. <laughs> yeah, He's like thirty years ago in the UK. There was a girl, let's call her Linda Martin. She ties a letter to a balloon and sends it off, and it floats all the way down to the south of... The, she, she, this was in, like, Scotland sort of yeah. area. It floats all the way to the bottom of the British Isles and right. lands and gets picked up by another girl by the name of Linda Martin. Ah, oh, that is so amazing. That's pretty good. Is that proven factually established? Yes. She didn't just get a train down the... <laughs> and pick it up? But you, no, you think of all the people who are doing it. I like, think that's a... Do you two know... Of the three people in this room have done that. Yes. So yes. you imagine all the people doing that. doing it. Somewhere along the line, some one person is yeah. going to pick up a... Because each yeah. one has a name attached. And this is my um, probability theorem that I'm working on, actually. That, the, that yeah, I has, smell more money. Everything has a non-zero event. Doesn't that mean if, if, if we did have infinity, everything... Why, why it can't be infinite, right, mm. is because if it was, everything would have happened by now because... If everything has a non-zero probability, right, mm. and it's infinite, that means it has to occur at some point in time. So you would turn into an orangutan because that is a non-zero probability. But now, actually, because that know. event, if it was... Do you get it? Do you, do you want kind to go of, back in, in, in an like infinite amount of time, no. if you have infinite amount of time, yeah. then something that a version of Dan Beeson would turn into an, an orangutan. But yeah. I mean, it's only 14.3 yeah. billion, oh goodness me, 13.8 billion years has happened. That's a really short period yeah, but, of time. But in infinity, really. we invent time travel because that's got non-zero probability as well. So we yeah. come back and turn Dan into an orangutan. Thanks. So. Has that happened? No, sorry, sorry, Dan, sorry. Just, <laughs> 
Um, I mean it. I'm very self-conscious of my dog arm. If he was a ginger, I would be going, yes, but he's not. I can't even yeah. that. Anyway, well, that's not a particularly well-established theory. I can't theory. believe you'd say that. It's <laughs> a visual joke you're doing. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Yes. But future worlds, so what... Yeah. <laughs> I was going to go back into that, actually. Excellent. Because this thing about sending balloons... Don't feel compelled or anything. Yeah. If you had six degrees of separation, you have... Yes, yes. yes, Because there is... This is not a segue, by the way. I'd like to formally announce a non-segue. That's it. Look (laughs) at how else do you handle it. You know, I think it's best to be explicit about these things. You know? It's trust. It's trust. Boundaries. I think you say what it is, and it's not a segue. The audience has to accept that. true. And just move on. And if they're secretly feeling it is a segue and that you've denied it well that's just childish that's true you know they shouldn't be thinking that created a monster who's turned into a a chimp (laughs) i want to talk about a segue a non-segue into six degrees separation right so this was actually going to be something we were going to write in we were going to have a mega trend called less than six Mm. and the theory is here around network theory that film six degrees of separation it's not just a film it's actually studied seriously in scientific literature and people have looked at this to see if you are connected to everybody else on the planet by six steps and what the the networks that are 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 out there Mm -hmm. and what we're thinking is happening in this world of online where we've got facebook and social media and we're all plugged into everything and not just people plugged into each other but also devices getting plugged into Mm. each other that the connections between people are multiplying and going down so the network that links you to the orangutan i mean dan Mm. is actually quite small keep going okay so what what i think that that i'm intentionally not reacting (laughs) ah but you are (laughs) that's like my non-segues you've not reacted by announcing your non-reaction therefore enforce reinforcing a much stronger reaction Mm. but i'm gonna edit this one with much more intent than usual (laughs) i love it raw but look i do think this concept of six degrees of separation it's an interesting i'm gonna take that comment out of the context when, when we have when we have two like like say when we got one fax it does nothing when we plug it into another fax, we have some level of functionality. When mm. we plug it into a whole network of faxes, we get another level of functionality. So what we're doing out there in the online world at the moment is we are unprecedentedly plugging devices and people and everything into each other, mm. which is, in network theory, going to create meta-functionality that we don't yet anticipate. Is, that the whole, is this like the cloud? Is that yeah. what we're talking about here? or? Um, is that no. The no. cloud, no, it is a bit like, well, sort of. The cloud no. storage. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, there's still that's that's still things connected. At the moment, what yeah. I'm trying to say is, you could have like servers that store things, but you could also have storage in my phone and your phone and that computer and this microphone and everything, and you don't worry about where it just stores it everywhere you are. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I've heard about the cloud a lot. And that, and I don't mean cloud as in Microsoft owns a lot of computers; we have to pay them for it. I mean everything is smart storage. You just in. upload it all into the cloud. Yeah, and and this room would be full of devices that do something, like a yeah. TV, but yeah. also has storage. Well, I think that's it. And I think that the connection of devices in the cloud creates functions that we didn't expect. So one powerful internet resource gets plugged into another and to mm. another. And as a consequence, they're able to do something a lot more. And this, this change in functionality is something. So we thought about writing into the Megatrends report, but we didn't, and we put a different one in there instead. We put in one called Virtually Here, 
which was a bit more tame because the problem with the theory I've, you know, I can talk to you guys about that one, mm. but I don't know if it was well enough established to... Well, there is actually quite a bit of scientific literature so on So it's been too bleeding theory. age, but you're trying yeah. to... Yeah. So but virtually here looks at the rise of the virtual world and this mega trend explores what's happening in the world of online retail, online transactions. It's mm. growing massively with yep. um, 10% of transactions are online at the moment. It goes like 15% by 2013, but it's growing so rapidly. And this is impacting yeah. the retail sector, which is... $250 billion a year and 1.7 million people employed in it, so it matters. And, and then the big thing of the, yeah. the government talking about at the moment, they're trying to work out, because there's no tax for anything less than $1,000 bought online, so yeah. that means that taxes aren't going to our government, they're going to another government. Yeah, what we'll talk about is the other bits of teleworking, right, mm. the, the movement of people to work by virtual connections, oh, and okay. that is changing, that could change the layout of our cities, you know, we might not all come to work here in a, in a single place anymore, We mm. I might be able to work from Byron Bay or Noosa and we, we hold this meeting virtually, like you could be three-dimensional holograms in, yes. a, in an advanced video conferencing or system. Printed off a 3D printer. And, and, exactly. and to be honest, what we yeah. do now, a technology, yeah. we, we very rarely meet our guests face-to-face. You are very blessed to I'm have I'm so happy about so, it. Yeah. So, no. but, but what a face. Just, <laughs> most of our Thank guests you. aren't in Australia, so we, we can't yeah. meet them, so we, we Skype. Yeah. So, so do you think this changes the layout of our cities? If we don't actually have to come to a physical location so much anymore, what does it do to the shape of the mm. city? Because a book by Richard Florida, who's an academic in the US, looks at this issue and he's saying, well, in this online world, are we going to see all our transportation systems change? Are people going to all work from home, work from the coast and mm. not need to come into a city centre anymore? And his conclusion is no. He thinks the city centre is actually making more important because what people will crave into the future is other human beings and cultural interaction. Yeah. And this features in the, the final final megatrend that we've got to of great humans expectations. Love, so like humans love humans. Humans love humans. I yeah. don't understand it. I don't understand humans. I, I, why yeah. they like humans. It's well, the, my, my robot masters never quite programmed that properly into me. <laughs> right. What's going to happen is these giant areas of business, yeah. huge monolith towers, yeah. these, these places where everyone goes to, are just going to turn into these giant sprawling coffee shops. Just a coffee shop that goes for, like, yeah. kilometres. I actually did an analysis a while back when I was a research group leader to see how expensive it would be because we were looking at office space and we didn't have enough office space. So I did an analysis to work out how much it cost to have my staff all in offices mm. versus putting them in the coffee shop and getting them breakfast, lunch and dinner or afternoon tea in the coffee mm. shop. And it was actually cheaper to put them in the coffee shop all day. <laughs> You know, you um, not the coffee shop. No, well, the coffee shop on... people would have loved it. You know, they would have had people in there oh, ordering look, that, coffee. That table's made yeah. three meals worth of. Could have actually, and the rest and the other six hours of the day, they're sitting there tap, typing on their computer and not making me any money. Yeah, but oh, they probably they probably would order like coffees during the day, maybe the odd Turkish delight or, or ah, tic tac. And that's where the money is. Yeah, the Turkish delight tax. That's 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 pretty. Every high. time afternoon about two thirty, I'd go down to the coffee shop here and get a Turkish Turkish delight. It is pretty good. Oh, I must. Do you do it too? Oh yeah, I do, oh. not all the time, but I'm not over here um, a lot. But yes, yeah. I, they do good Turkish delight. Here. I know, and I find you come down to the Ego Science Precinct, buy a Turkish delight. Two thirty like in the afternoon. Baklava is pretty good, isn't it? Oh, but, sorry, a balaklava is something you wear on your head to rob a bank. Balaklava. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> So you have a balaclava for afternoon tea, and then you, when you rob a bank, you put a baklava, baklava on your head. You know, I reckon uh, the baklava. Greg, help! Your head. I'm in a sticky situation. <laughs> no. I reckon the baklava. Oh no! So you can't. You've got kids. You can't. That's do good. That. Oh, no, that's okay. You always no. got some kids. You want a kid? We we have a philosophy in my household. Whenever you think of a pun, no matter how bad, you're obligated legally to tell it to everybody else and get yourself. You a monster. We do that, okay? Always, <laughs> when you think of a pun, 
and you just got to do it. Another one in this, another mega trend, there are six in total, and I've actually been kind of keeping count as we go yes. through this to ensure that we're getting adequate coverage of all the actual content material in addition <laughs> to the sidelines. So, so he looked what, at us again then. And yeah, don't. Judging us. I'm not judging you. I, look, you're two lovely people. Um, <laughs> oh, we're in trouble. Rare, He's calling rare, us lovely people. With you're, you're unique. There's two of us, though. That's, that doesn't make any sense. A unique pair. Oh, oh, a unique okay, pair. That's, that's right. That's, well, so the, another one is called the Silk Highway, right? So this is yeah, all about that, that what's happening. I didn't quite understand when I was reading it. I was okay. confused by that one. Okay, it's not necessarily about silk. So a long time ago in ancient history, there was a silk road. Okay? I see where you've made the problem, Greg. Yeah. You've taken it too literally. I think I just got slapped down quite hardly. No, no. In a very nice way. No, no. You deserved it. It was a, it was a, it was, it was a silken glove. Seriously, for a pair of orangutans, you're doing very well. I'm very impressed. <laughs> We haven't thrown our own poo at all. That's right. That's right. But the day ain't over right. yet. <laughs> Stefan. Oh, dear. Dr. So, so, the Silk, silk Road. Highway. The Silk Highway. Right. This was, yeah, this was inspired by a colleague of mine who came up with this, this notion of the Silk Road when we were talking about what to call this one. You see, this was my storytelling. The Silk Road was an ancient trade network that existed in Asia where goods would flow through Asia and into Europe. And, uh, and the, 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 whole, the National true. Museum of Australia has a thing on it down there and uh, I've got to do a talk to the National Museum. What should I talk about to the National Museum of Australia? We can think on that one. We'll talk about it later. Because I need to work it can out. Can I just point out that with yeah. the Silk Road, though? Yeah. Because um, I went to Cheyenne recently in China, and they always talk about how the Silk Roads... Because from a Western point of view, you go, yeah. Silk Road starts in Turkey, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And then, and of course, the Chinese go, the Silk Road starts in Cheyenne. And you go, of course, the, no, one, the, no one thinks... No, everyone thinks where they're... It, it's the start is where you come from. Yeah. And, and, of course, coming from a Western point of view, I think of Europe as the, the centre. Because the Chinese are like, <laughs> no. Obviously Obviously, Cheyenne is the centre of the whole damn thing. So yeah. I just love that concept, that's all. It's a beautiful concept. Now, economic growth is happening so quickly in the, the Asian region. We're mm. seeing Asia increase its share of the global economy from some 11%, developing Asia, from 11% of the global economy to 22%. China's growing around 7% per annum. The city of Shenzhen in China in uh, the early 1980s was 7,000 people and farmland, and by the year 2007, it's 7 million people and lots of big skyscrapers. It was built at the rate of a skyscraper a day and a boulevard a week during, during the 1990s. Oh, wow. So this pace of construction and economic development is truly astounding over there mm. and it is reshaping our world economy. One of the things we've got here that I'm fascinated by is a map of the world economy and it shows you the, the centre hotspot of where world economic activity is based on GDP at 700 locations. Mm. So in 1980 that hotspot is in the Atlantic Ocean in between the United States and Europe. And That's where we're building our island. Right, no, we're building it off the Queensland oh, coast, aren't we? Oh, sorry. Anatole? Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. We could put another one there based on how much we're going to make off these inventions. Yeah. I think we could easily afford okay. two. So we could put one there, although it's a bit colder, and I think we'd be... We'll send Dan no, there. No, no We'll send Dan there. No, no, no. No, no, no. Dan, he'll like it there. Will all his fur. What? We can't have two evil doctors setting up. Yeah. Maybe you could. Anyway, look, seriously, the centre of economic activity was in between the United States and Europe, because so the powerhouses in 1980, and mm. it's come across. So today it's over Saudi Arabia, and by 2030 it's between India and China. They are drawing the whole world economy over to wow. their side. China increased its share of champagne consumption from 0.1% of the world total to 0.3% of the world total over the last 10 years. Mm. Massive wow. change is occurring. And this, this restructures everything around us. And the Prime Minister's paper of the Asia in the... Yes. In the Australia Make, in making the Asian students century. speak... Or say this. Yeah. Australian students should speak one Asian language. 
That's yeah, cool. I, I think th 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 this is the Asian century, and we've got to work mm. out how to how to get the Australian economy. And we're right here. I mean, we're, yeah. we're here. I mean, we're, we can't. You go, Australia yeah. is, is uniquely placed. Yeah. Because uh, the rest of the, everyone else went and hid in the northern hemisphere and developed. Yeah. Like, oh, we're in the northern hemisphere. We're great. And yeah. then we, and we, we'll send all the convicts to Australia. So I've given you Stefan's infinite improbability theorem, which is that everything has to occur if yes. it was infinite. Therefore, it can't be infinite because not everything is occurring. Uh huh. Okay. So that was the first dodgy theory that uh -huh. is unreal. It was pretty dodgy. Okay. Yes. Another one, which is slightly referenced and slightly less dodgy, it's more of a question than a theory, and mm. that is, could Australia be the Switzerland of Asia? What does that mean? That's a really good question. <laughs> See, I'm worried that I'm Australia's going to be the Poland of Asia. <laughs> oh, okay. That's my secret plan! No, <laughs> no, no, no. The Swiss, like, so Switzerland is a small country, relatively stable, pretty wealthy, mm. in a much bigger region, and it has specialised in niche products of financial services, pharmaceuticals, watches, chocolates, ski holidays. What else does uh. it do? Boutique stuff, right? Mm. Now, Australia is a very small country compared to a lot, population-wise mm. and uh, economically, compared to a lot of the region around us, but we're stable and quite wealthy. And if we can pick the niche markets that exist out there in the Asian region around us, they mm. may be financial services. In fact, financial services are looking really good. I think Australia's financial system is really well placed on a global stage. We came through the finance crisis very well. Plus, productivity in the Australian economy is mostly declining, but in the financial services sector, we saw 2.6% productivity growth over the last decade or something yeah. of, of that nature, multi-factor productivity growth. Does this mean that we have to get away from selling our resources out of the ground then? I think there is a question around <laughs> this, and I don't... I wouldn't adopt to the principle to say we have to get away from it. I think market signals will tell us what to do but we have mm. seen iron ore prices come down and coal prices forecast to come down. This mm. is real significant for the Australian economy and we certainly feel it as it happens. The reason the last decade of um, the global financial crises were so good here in Australia compared to a lot of the OECD mm. you know, and a lot of the indicators here, we were having such a good time compared to Europe and the United States. Why was that? Well there's a couple of reasons. One is that we had relatively good financial institutions but I think the biggest one is commodity price growth which was unprecedented over that 10 year period. Right. So that line of commodity prices is fairly flat but by the year 2000 it starts to go up. Why? Because China needs all our raw materials to build yeah. its cities and its infrastructure. They uh, need so much steel. Yeah, they need steel, steel and yeah. steel is a lead mm -hmm. indicator of industrialisation and where mm -hmm. the, it's at now. An economy through time will go through different transitional phases and let's say it starts out in an agrarian phase where we get good at agriculture, mm -hmm. then it goes into an industrialisation phase where we're good at manufacturing and we can make stuff and then it goes into an advanced services sector phase and steel consumption is a lead indicator. Steel consumption will go up and peak yeah. and then it will come down again and at, after that peak of steel consumption is when the economy is shifting into an advanced services sector economy and mm -hmm. what I've read suggests this happens in Asia, in China eh, around the year 2020, we see it start to shift that soon. into this to a services. I mean, it's already occurring, but it really expresses itself as we get to about 2020. We see this massive shift into a services sector. Mm. 1.02 billion people will cross the income threshold of being impoverished to middle income class too. They'll all want services, they'll want superannuation, they'll have money to invest, and I think a lot more money will be wanting to find investment opportunities here in Australia. And this is what we might start to want to capture is the needs of a new middle class in Asia mm. and uh, a new services economy. These are the op options that exist out there. That's really, yeah. I find that absolutely fascinating. Just yeah. that is a real, to me, that's a really pa massive paradigm shift of, yeah. of power away, <laughs> from, from, away from Europe. 
It is. Into, into it is. Uh, and it's yeah. what's happening. It's, it's subtly happening here. And, you know, we were talking about that discussion at the Brisbane Writers' Festival. You know, e- economic growth is not an indicator of happiness and everything, and it's, mm. but it is going to elevate a lot of people out of poverty in the Asian region, and that's, mm. that's so, going to So being really rich change. doesn't make you happy, but not being poor makes you happy. Well, yeah. No, isn't, isn't it, the way I like to look at it is, if you, you're talking about not rich, somebody going to middle, like just, just yeah. comfortable, that means you can then go and achieve well, happiness. You can go happiness there. is an interesting one. You See, I th- this features in here too in this great expectations megatrend that we have in there. Megatrend was initially going to be called The Way You Make Me Feel, but the organisation had a look at the thought of Michael Jackson being part of our work, and uh-huh. it was just not going to wash into like hands on crotches type thing. It wasn't going to work. In. <laughs> so we went yeah, to Charles Dickens. Jetpacks? Dick- jet jet, Why You Make Me Feel? How's that going to do with jetpacks? Well, Michael Jackson used to they used to have a jetpack at his concerts and fly around. Did and he? Was always, what? Yeah, I never he came saw out that. To ANZ Stadium, he did this big concert, he flies with around a jetpack. That's amazing. Yeah. I did not know that. I didn't know that. How did you not know that? I don't know. It's like the best thing about Michael Jackson. I've never never heard it in my life. I never... I think you imagined it. Maybe you dreamed it. <laughs> don't! <laughs> hey, we have to bleep that. You said we were allowed S's? That's yes, right. Yeah, no, I'm, I, I'm, the, I'm the bleeper. Don't tell me what I'm going to bleep. Okay. I'll fucking bleep any fucking sh** I can... Bleep, 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 bleep. Green's got a little shy because he's at work. I'm in my, I'm in my work environment. <laughs> I'm in my I work environment too. a little too. bit quiet. Yeah. <laughs> I, just, I just see this image of my boss at the window going, <laughs> what the hell is the... <laughs> You're so, fired. <laughs> we called it Great Expectations based on Charles Dickens. Does, does increased wealth and stuff make you happy? The Great Expectations mega trend is about people seeking increasingly experiences over product purchases. So a pile of stuff under the Christmas tree this year is not necessarily going to make you that much happier. More shoes things, physical goods. I have enough shoes. Yeah, socks, you do. If you think about it, you do. You're actually wanting to shift into an experience space, a trip to the theatre, mm. sitting in the local park and just enjoying the scenery, um, a holiday, That's something. Yeah, it's A lot of it is cheap and non-resource consumption. Now, why this makes sense. So imagine you go down the pub tonight after work and you have a beer, or a lot of beers, so we have <laughs> happiness on the Y. I'm drawing a graph here for the people um, mm-hmm. who are listening. Right. And on the Y-axis we draw a line which is happiness. What economists, who, the dismal science will call utility. Mm. We say instead of happiness, we say mm-hmm. utility. So zero utility means you're neutral. Then there's negative, which is unhappy. And then as we go up that graph on the y-axis, we get to a state of high levels of happiness. So we'll put a now, link to a picture of this on the website, if that's okay. I've written it up on the conversation, this um, thing oh. that talks about this. So if you Google the conversation, great expectations, and then chuck in Haikovic, if you can spell it, that will get you to, to see this graph. Every time I try to spell yeah. that name, I chuck it in. Right. So we've got the y-axis, which is happiness, and yes. then on the x-axis, we've got number of beers consumed, and we start at zero beers. Yes. And then you go from beer zero to beer sense. one. Neutral. I'm neutral about zero yeah. beer. When, when you're yeah. When you're at zero beers, you're neutral. Yeah, yeah. So then we go from beer zero to beer one, and yeah. you're no longer neutral. You've yeah. now got a bit of it's happiness. A giant, yeah. Yeah. It's a giant yeah. leap. Yeah, that's right. Surely. It's a giant leap. That's happy. a good way of putting it. Well mm. done. And then we go from beer one to two, and we get even, even more better. happiness. Yeah. But do but, we get the same? Much. Not as much. Oh, oh you're getting it. Of oh. that first beer. That's, oh, oh that I am so going to give you a whole bucket of bananas for that. That's Hooray! I'm going to brew something You're doing very well. Then we go from... From I know the, my guests tend to patronise me, but this <laughs> is one of them. This is impressive. I must admit. Then we go from beer two to beer three, and beer three yep. to beer four. And I'm loving this. So we go more we, we, happier and happier. Happier and happier, but, 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 but you, off. but it's flattening off. Now yes. it would be unlikely. It's asymptotic. It's asymptotic. 
that. You said that at the start of the. Another bucket of bananas. So we get, we get to. I'm, I'm, I'm getting those bananas. I am going to, I'm going to get a picture of them. Doctor Hakovich is going to give me a bucket of bananas. I'm going to put it on the picture. I'm going to put it on the website. Yeah, that's happening. So the graph will go up, but it will, it'll reach an apex, an asymptote, as you quite rightly point out. Then it will come back down again. Mm. Okay, as you drink more, you'll get more unhappy. For you'll me, then that's get about what's eight called Four. That's right. I think about, it's for me, true. I'd be about four, and then it would yeah. come down. But then at about beer six, you get what's called the second wind, okay? <laughs> right. This is where you are feeling pretty bad, but you have some more, and you get temporarily more cheerful. Is that the I love you stage? I love you, mate. Yeah, I that's all I love you, mate. I love you. I love you and stuff. Yeah, that's it. And you're yeah. feeling kind of good, and yeah. you're doing that. And yeah. we get to that point, then uh, further consumption of beer at that mm. point does definitely take the utility oh. happiness right down. Yeah, it doesn't negative. actually come back up again, ever. You know, it's not. You, in, you die. Correct. What you've described <laughs> yeah. is a picture of breasts. What? Well, that, that is a, that's amazing. Um, it well, yes. Um, what? Yeah. You, yeah. Um, um, of... You have kind of got it, but one bigger than the other. Stop. Uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, no, this is a place of science but, and work. Yeah. Love-sided women need love yeah. too. Anyway, <laughs> trying to talk about this, this happiness thing. Yeah. So what? So am I? Yeah, I can't see how you got that because my brain wasn't there yet. No. But that's all right. That's it. It's okay. We're all you know contributing. In he's already to Dan's the, already three beers yeah. in, so he's yeah. like. So look, what happens is that it does go down and, and crash and burns, yes. but it will not be a linear line. Okay, there will be few of us who would linearly keep getting happy. This is what's yeah. called diminishing marginal returns to consumption. So the more you consume of everything, be it mm. beer or shoes, mm. shirts or silent Velcro, whatever it is you're consuming, you will reach a point of diminishing marginal returns. And that's where you switch your desire for your discretionary expenditure to go into experiences or something more. Right. And it makes a lot of sense. I can think there were nine published journal papers which did demonstrate that people's dissatisfaction and unhappiness increased as they became more material. So if you got more material possessions, you became less unhappy. Another four have come out recently since the year 2000, which have pointed towards the fact that if you have more experiences, your happiness actually increases. So, does it become um, asymptotic? Does it? Can you get too many experiences? One like, imagines. Yeah, one imagines, and I don't. I think that it's focused on like mostly positive experiences. Mm. One wonders sort of what's <laughs> negative experience. Shot in the knee. <laughs> yeah. ah, I'm going to the dentist again. Yeah, I did that. The uh, most unhappy part about my last trip to the dentist was the bill. That's the pain of the surgery wasn't. I had root canal yeah, yeah. surgery and the. Pain of the surgery was bad, but it wasn't that bad. But the bill, oh, the, it, not, it, I had to spend nineteen hundred dollars on the, it. Goodness me, the pain of look for nine hundred dollars. You could have all your just teeth removed and had plastic ones put in. Yeah, yeah. I the, mean, uh, the pain I, of the surgery is worse because you're sitting there going, "I'm paying for this experience." Yeah, that's what I was thinking the whole. I didn't know at the time how much I was paying for it, and I think that was probably better. But um, yeah. I've had the same dentist since I was a child. Really? And he's and yeah, he's uh, he, he and, must be pretty he, old. Yeah, he, he is. Right. Hey, nice. hey, hey! <laughs> but he's retiring now. This is a, and this really freaks me out now because he's been a really he's a family dentist. Yeah. And and, and and as long as I know, he's the same man who stuck his fingers in my mouth the entire life. And now he's going. Oh, I'm retiring. And now I'm like, you're leaving me. Like it's right. really. I, I feel really weirdly disconnected. Like, but I, I don't worry. The next time I'll be good. But he's not you. I don't. I love you. It is yeah, I know. I have a relationship with my dentist. I have a relationship with my dentist too. Yeah, it's it's odd. It's, he, he left of, it's a bit love hate. You know, it's like relationships. What do you say when they've got like fifty things in your mouth and they say, "What are you doing for the holiday?" But, but, they, but they, <laughs> they understand. That's why I love. Yeah. It. He understands, he understands me, who I am. Anyway. Yeah. 
Right. So the, I the, think so experience. Yeah. Go to experience. So yeah. this this bodes poorly for both the the Velcro, the silent Velcro, and the refrigerator, mm. but um, not the P. So what we need to do? Yeah, the not the P. Still on board. Exactly. That's an experience. So in the world of experiences, the P would rate more highly. It's an experience to look at rainbow-coloured, beautiful um, rainbow-coloured P. Island. Anatol, we need to organise Anatol, tours. Anatol, 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 I'm sorry. Yeah, that's all right. We're we could tours. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. But this, this as 1.02 billion people mm. transition through Maslow's hierarchy in Asia, right? They get wealthier. Yeah. They're going to want these experiences, and that's one of the things we could start selling them. It ties in the Switzerland of Asia thing. So coming to Australia, and, and that's always been, an a, experience, always been yeah. a feeling of come to Australia and see a koala and, yeah. and stuff. Uh, and get yeah. eaten by a crocodile. Don't and not come to Australia, go home with some coal. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, because why would you? Yeah, that's, yeah. that's a good point. No, I guess what you're saying there, but it's, we can sell resources, but people do come to Australia because it's a unique habitat, lots of marsupials. That's right. Monotremes and other crazy things. It's, so it, it's it, a land of wealth and soil. Toil. Yeah. Toil, soil? Something like that. Uh, dirt by sea, isn't it? Dirt by... <laughs> Dirt and sea. It's the, yeah, the expectation. So with the, yeah, people want to do Land things. Abounds. So in the it end... Abounds in nature's gifts of beauty rich and rare. Oh, goodness. And we have sweeping planes. Are we, are we, are we going to sing it? Are we, sing, are, we, are we doing no, it? Are we gonna, no, I can, I can do it. No, I can do, no, I can do the second and third don't. verses. I know three verses is national anthem. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Do you know the fourth racist one? Uh, you know a bit of it, don't you? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Just the racist yeah, Just bit. the racist bit. I don't know it. Yeah, don't, don't. It got dropped, don't, surprisingly, a while ago. Don't. don't. Well, it's like the British one. The British one has a, the third verse and it talks about how they crushed the Scots. <laughs> in your own national anthem, yeah. it's with seditious Scots to crush. You're like, that's uncool. That, yeah. That, yeah, we, yeah, we had something similar. That's all I'm going to say. All right. So, well, I think we've got a really good summary for our audience here. They know what the future of the world is going to be after this conversation. I think so. So, uh, so are we, we're not doomed then. You think there is, a, there is something we can do. There is something that... I am a huge... Yeah, apart from the 10 o'clock thing... Mm. If, if we make it past yeah, that... if we make it past 10 o'clock tonight, okay. I reckon it's all looking pretty good. No. Humanity has massive challenges ahead of it, but mm. I th- I'm an optimist and I believe in on the whole the overall... Are you an optimist generic- or are you a realist? I think I'm both, you know. I think it actually the data points us towards a gradual shift towards improvement of people's quality of life over time. Okay, I, I can go with that. But do we have time for gradual shift over time? Or will we come we to do, and I, but I have a, some... Yeah, no, I don't believe in the cliff model. I think that the most of the forecasts of cliffs, including the one at, it'll go past 10 o'clock tonight, we'll all still be here. I think a lot of the other cliffs, though, that are more seriously projected even, don't really tend to eventuate. I don't actually believe the cliff model on a whole. I think things gradually change and reshape and restructure and the system changes itself in lots of ways to accommodate. You know, as prices for one energy source get high, we start to see adaptation occur and switch into another. Now, it certainly causes adjustment pains, but I don't necessarily believe that those cliffs are really out there for us. Okay. I just don't think on, the, on a whole it works like that. There are localised cliffs and events, like the, the tragic tsunami in Japan. That is, a, that is a sudden event that has a major hit with it. And the, and the financial crash when the stock market falls suddenly like that and mm. comes back again. That is also another thing. And global food price spike, that was actually, in terms of humanitarian crises, mm. the global food price spike probably wasn't so well known but had greater human suffering associated with it. And just yeah. to put that in context for our audience, if you go to the shops in the Western world and you go, oh, my rice is a dollar extra for a kilogram, that's, that's vaguely irritating. It's what it is, it's vaguely irritating. Vaguely, it's a dollar yeah. more for a family who only yeah. eats rice. Well, that's right. A household in the developing world will spend percent plus of its income on food so when yeah. food gets expensive they can't stop buying movie tickets and buy more food because they're already spending everything on food so i think food security is a, a big one but look all said and done i do think things are trending in a positive direction for humanity overall but that doesn't mean complacency is acceptable we have these huge challenges that we need to start
start solving. And the idea behind CSIRO Futures is not to, tr to pretend we can solve them, we can't, but to create narratives, conversation and discussion around them. And I'm a big believer that enriching the information environment upon which we sit leads to wiser decision-making and better choices. Prior to September 11, all the data and information actually did exist. It's a question of your being able to assemble it to predict that event. You know, it's, I'm not, hindsight is very hard. But our aim and objective is for important things in the future like that that will happen that we want to proactively respond to and manage and get a better better outcome from in all sorts of areas. We will achieve that via enriching the information environment for everyone. And that's one of the functions I see for CSIRO Futures is to put evidence and narratives out there for the Australian community that gives them a solid information base so that they can say, well, what if we did this or what if we did that? What it leads to wiser decision-making and ability to make decisions about things. That is so reassuring to hear that the end of the world is not nigh, except it doesn't take into consideration this mysterious Dr S poised on his That's right. specific <laughs> atoll. Yeah. That's true. Uh, for those uh, people listening to this, make sure you have a look at the link and read the Our Future World report, which will be linked to from the, from the podcast as well. And now, if what I've got out of this is we can work towards a better future, but also in 2013, instead of buying people stuff, Dr Stefan is saying, hug someone. That's what he's exactly. Saying. This Christmas, don't buy someone. Well, by the time you're listening to it, probably we're out for Christmas Day. Christmas 2013, <laughs> don't buy someone something, give them a hug, talk to them, smile at them, be friendly, you'll enjoy it, they'll enjoy it a lot more. We don't need more stuff, we need more experiences and happiness, yeah. Take and, them water skiing, and, give, them a, give them a bucket of bananas. And it benefits us in so that many stuff. ways, oh. that stuff. But it benefits but us in so many... Yeah, yeah, it's true, so there's an experiential component. Any but entire bucket is an experience. <laughs> it helps us in so many ways, it stops resource consumption, yeah. but we still get the happiness factor, so we don't need the stuff so much. So hug everyone. Yeah. And when you give a hug, you get a hug. That's true. That's right. Whether they want to or not. I wish I liked hugs. You Thank have you. to ask first. Thank you. Now, we're going to go and hug Dr. Stefan Haikovich, whether he wants to or not. It's been a wonderful experience <laughs> at my end. <laughs> Thanks to Dr. Stefan Haikovic from the CSIRO. Very exciting to chat to a man who knows what he's talking about, who looks into the future. Lots of people look into the past, but Dr. Stefan and his team and many scientists at the CSIRO are actually looking at the future in positive ways, not and, in ways which is pretty awesome. <laughs> and a man who never shies away from a bad pun. He, <laughs> when we said to him, look, you can be a little bit silly, it's fine, he took that with both hands and went running. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was awesome. So, big thanks to the CSIRO for letting us record in the institution as well. That was very cool of them. Yeah. Letting uh, us in. Yeah, giving me one of them security passes. That's <laughs> very exciting. Yeah, I pinched a telly. <laughs> Brilliant. Now, we were discussing in the interview a gas that makes your voice go deep. Yes. And whether or not it's bad for you. The name of the gas is sulfur hexafluoride. Oh, okay. It is also inert. And we were talking about how you'd have to lean over to let it sort of drip out of you because it's heavier than air. Yes. But it turns out that it actually mixes really effectively with uh, air. So a couple of deep breaths and it'll all get expelled anyway. And that makes sense to me because... Carbon dioxide is heavier than air. If you get carbon dioxide in a room, let's say you put dry ice in a room and lock it up and walk in the room, you could pass out because the carbon dioxide drifts to the bottom of the room. But that would mean that all the carbon dioxide in the atmosphere should technically fall to ground level and choke us all to death. Mm. But it doesn't. And that's because it mixes, as you just said. Yep. So heavier gases, it's more than just weight is what we have to worry about. There's yeah. also diffusion. And, and uh, with a little bit more research, yes, helium can be dangerous, but only via asphyxiation. 
But it does happen because you inhale too much of it, you run out of oxygen, your body's not telling you you're running out of oxygen, you pass out and knock your head on the coffee table and that's the thing that kills you. Uh, you Or one person went inside a giant helium balloon, like a hot Mm -hmm. air balloon. Yes. They went, oh, it's a big helium, but I walk inside there, walked in there, too much helium, not enough air, he passed out. His friend went, oh, my God, my friend's passed out because he's inhaling helium and no oxygen. I'd better run in there and grab two people, pass out. And oh. dies of asphyxiation. Oh, that's very sad. That's yeah. very, very sad indeed. There you go. Oh, you know what the saddest thing is? They wasted all that helium! Well, that's, the, yeah, that, 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 that's bad. That was callous. That was callous. I'm sorry. That was also, callous. the fact that their last words would have been pitched up to yeah, so, I regret nothing! Tell my wife I love her. <laughs> We're terrible human beings. And if you want to write in and tell us how terrible you are, you should write in to greg at smartenough.org. Or dan at smartenough.org. We always love hearing from our listeners. Any ideas for the podcast? Any suggestions for interviews? If you know a famous person or even someone who's just kind of interesting that we should know about, get in contact with us. If you would like to have a chat, jump into the forums. Oh, I should probably go in there and check them at some point. <laughs> God knows what fires are in there I need to extinguish. Uh, or you can follow us on Twitter at SE2KB or at Facebook at SE2KB. And of course, go on to iTunes and write us a little review. People have been. Very exciting. More little reviews have turned up. People I don't even know. (laughs) So thank you very much and thank you for all your kind words on iTunes. Remember, you don't pay for this podcast in any way, shape or form. So if you want to help us out, then of course by writing us reviews and rating us, you get more people to listen to us and that helps us immeasurably. If you would like to know more about Megatrends, it is linked to on our website. So go to smartenough.org and click on the big button that says Megatrends. Well, it's, it's going to be in the link dump. Click on one of them. There'll be a whole bunch of stuff in there. <laughs> Found out about Michael Jackson's jetpack too. Awesome! I mean, I'm trying to catch you out, which is, of course, what someone would tell you if they were trying to catch you out, but we're not trying to catch you out. That's right. Also, uh, we have been recording since you came. Oh, yes. Right. <laughs> you should probably tell people this. We this legally, yes. Yes. Okay. But, but, that's right. It's okay. Oh, yeah, you recording. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not, 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 no, no, no. It's not going that Imagine a snail walking at the wall, okay, going towards the wall. Every time it goes half the distance closer, and then half again, and then half again, half. Does it ever get to the wall? Well, yes, that does. Do you think it does? Yes, it will. Why? Why wouldn't it just keep on going half the distance and never this get there? This is Zeno's paradox, yes, isn't it? Yes. What, what you know, happens? You, I couldn't get this one either. You what? know how the, to yeah. really make that work for you yeah. is you accrue two weeks of holidays yeah. and then over your holidays you accrue another little bit of holidays <laughs> and then over that and then you take that, those holidays immediately and over that tiny few minutes Yeah, you of can holidays, stay on holiday yeah. the whole time. It's yeah. a perpetual Zeno's holiday. <laughs> That's a genius idea. You never have to stop coming on holidays. You keep submitting it though. You have to submit it for two but weeks. You'd have to submit it ultra quickly at the end, wouldn't we you? Get a computer to submit it for you. Just go, yeah, so if we could get a fast computer. <laughs> in Futurama, global warming and the way they... I mean, it's total crap, but they, they, they solved global warming by flying to... I think they flew to Uranus and they grabbed a big block of ice and they brought it back and they dropped it in the ocean. And I know it's not... I mean, it's scientifically it's not true. Isn't Uranus a gas giant? Yes, but the, the, it, it's also... Wouldn't that not a Pluto? It's, oh, for goodness no, sake. didn't they go to an asteroid with I ice? I don't remember. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Well, surely they would have gone to a place with ice to get ice. I'm just... Futurama is not actually that scientifically accurate. I'm trying to point this out. It's pretty good, though. No, it's not. (laughs) Anyway, the point of this is... All right. (laughs)
you've moved the, the mic away from your face again. Sorry, am I? Oh, too close. <laughs> Got him. I've turned off all of my additional devices. I'm not getting any whirring, I don't think. Well, except for my mechanical heart, I've switched everything else off as well. Well, we could, I could switch off my mechanical heart, but then I'd have four minutes to do this recording, so... Right. You need to get one of them, one of them Iron oh, they're Man all, devices. Arc reactors. Oh, they're awesome. Yeah, he's yeah, just yeah, yeah, stealing yeah. them. Not stealing them. Okay, he's not sharing with the world, so that means people like me who need it can't use it. What a bastard. Tony Stark is a bastard. <laughs> Yeah. All this. Could you imagine if the, if you gave all like policemen or firemen and I a, a powered down like a really weak version of the Iron Man suit, like, as in just walk through the flames, grab someone, save their life, or fly fly up yeah, yeah. fly up to a plane that's about to crash, save everyone who's in the plane. I mean, what, what's he thinking? Yeah, he can only be in one place at one time. Well, I suppose he is trying to expand it. Isn't there like war yeah, machine that, or what something? What they do? Or? They put on big guns. I mean, I'm not saying everyone needs to be Iron Man, but surely that technology could be. Cut down so that a man could hover above the ground and just go and help someone. Yeah, a, a fire. Yeah, that's right. And it doesn't suit. have to be bulletproof. So you can replace an entire team of firefighters with yes. one guy who can get out there faster and has spray foam attached yeah, to all right. his bits. You don't have to even get rid of all the firefighters. You just have specialized units. Like they have specialized SWAT units. We still have normal police. <laughs> what? What's going on? Specialized. Oh, goodness sake. Hooray! Okay. Specialized unit. He means penis. But there you go. Yeah. That phrase Tony phone. Stark is a douche. There were nine journal published papers. That was a pretty bad ordering of words. There were nine <laughs> published journal papers yeah. <clears throat> which Parker. did Pick demonstrate that, that increased... Shit. <laughs> <laughs>